Well, praise the Lord. I, I know my nephew is gifted. He's uh, put a, together some videos for us for family just for fun, and uh, we get a big kick out of it. He's uh, really gifted. I'm not too sure about the other people on the couch there, but I know my nephew's really gifted. Um, before we get started, I, I uh, want to kind of tell you a little bit about my week. I've been really busy and traveling and going back and forth. I got invited to a dear friend of mine, um, retired from the state police this past Friday. And it was interesting because we got this uh, invitation. I had to speak there and give away some uh, his retirement badge and some, some things. And I was honored. Uh, I spent two-thirds of my life with him. So <laughs> we get this invitation. And it says, in the invitation, it says, uh, dress is casual elegance, right? So Kathleen and I are, we're getting ready, and I, I just, she says, uh, sweetheart, you know what casual <laughs> elegance is? And I'm like, casual elegance, I'm, I'm not quite sure. So she says, well, I think it's this, and you know, we kind of do it, and I said, yeah. So I just went with a suit with no tie, right? So one of the speakers that got up there says, uh, listen, I got to address this before we all do whatever. He says, I got to address what the heck is casual elegance? You know, of course, everybody just breaks out, you know, and you got guys that are in there with shorts and a t-shirt and then you got their wives are wearing a a dinner dress, you know. (laughs) So for your information, this is casual elegance. Right? So I want to make sure you know that in case you're ever invited to a wedding or, and it says that. Let's keep that clear for you. All right? The title of uh, this message today is There is a Hole in the Bucket. John 4, I'm going to read this, 3 through 30. He left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, right? It's Sychar. I call it Sychar because it helps the story. It means it's a Sychar city. It's Sychar, right? Well, we all know that there's sickness all over the world, but it's kind of ironic that it's called, in my words, Sychar. Near the plot of the ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you'd have asked him, and he would have given you living living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I have will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, 
give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband, come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet, Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship worship what you do not know. You worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. And the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he'll proclaim all these things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left with her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from the city believed In him, because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I have ever done. There's a hole in the bucket. Scripture tells us that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Now, if you know anything about Samaria, you'll know that the Jews avoided Samaria because those people did not associate with those other people. You know, those people, right? So he knew that God had a divine appointment for him right? He has a divine appointment with all of us, with everyone. And when he makes that appointment, he, he asks the question in his presence, do you recognize me? So I ask today, when God visits, it, visits you, do you recognize him? Everyone needs water. You know how much... Uh, The Bible refers to water and is depicted as dry and desert. There's a lot of scriptures that emphasizes that water is extremely important. Wells are important. And in Samaria, at the foot of the two mountains is Jacob's well. And in today's world, water is still just as important. Did you know that only 3% of the earth's water is fresh? Did you know that? The rest is in oceans and seas. And three quarters of that fresh water, of that 3%, okay, of the earth's fresh water is frozen and and in glaciers and ice caps. They contain 
all the fresh water that flows in the earth's rivers for a thousand years. That's how much water there is. Fresh water, but it's only 3% of all the world's water. That is how much water is in those ice caps. Each of us, each person, is made up of 65% water. Most living organisms have about 90% water. And unless living things like plants and animals and human beings have water, they die. You can go quite a long time without eating, but you can't go very long without water. Did you know that the number one concern for human beings on this earth is the scarcity of water and the lack thereof? People are always talking about the lack of water in many parts of the world. The world continually researches and spends, and I found this word when I was doing this, illions, not millions, not billions, not spectillions, not trillions. The word illions, when you look it up, is a reference to a metric, a metric that is used for infinite, infinite reference. So we are continually in this world and have been since we were created looking for fresh water, researching, seeking, digging wells, looking for that fresh water. We can't go without it. Only one-fifth of the world's population has access to drinking water, one-fifth. People around the world will walk miles and miles, spend most of their waking day walking just to retrieve water. It's almost as if they're just driven. We're driven as human beings, this deep, deep desire in us, this physiological need to drink water, to have fresh water. You know why? Because this world is parched. The definition for parched is this. It's dried out with heat, extremely thirsty, longing for drink, dry and dehydrated. The scarcity of spiritual water on the earth today is tremendous. Just look, just listen. Divorce rate is increasing, suicide rate is increasing, genocide, homicide, abortion, human trafficking, torture, addiction, school shootings, etc., etc., etc. Is more than ever before. People dying from the lack of spiritual water. You hear people say all the time, Where's God? You hear it on the news, social media, Facebook, Where is God? Thus, human beings cannot live without the Spirit of God residing in them. Without this spiritual water, we will die. And did you know that there is no true substitute for pure water? There is none. There is nothing that can replace or substitute pure water. Now, that's not pure. There's some impurities in it. However, you need to know there is no substitute for pure water. We cannot truly replace water with any other substance. 
Although we try on this earth, we try with Coke and Mountain Dew and coffee and beer and whiskey and wine. We write songs about it. However, at the end of the day, most things that we drink, they contain water. However, they also dehydrate us or disease us. Again, I'll say it. There's no substitute for pure water. Did you know that 25,000 people a day die because of water-caused diseases? Interesting. Are you thirsty? I find it very interesting that in this text that Jesus gives us as an illustration, he uses water to illustrate to us through the woman at the well that human beings cannot live without water. He's not talking about physical water, is he? He's talking about spiritual water, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. In verse 13 and 14, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. So true. It is so true. David said, as a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living good. There is no substitute for the true God. You see the six men in this woman's life? It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for everybody who tries to substitute the Holy Spirit who tries to substitute that living water with everything else. There's only one true God. Because no matter how hard we try to quench that thirst in our life, it fades away. And in some cases, it can leave us diseased. Inevitably, we become dehydrated. And eventually, it can kill us, truly. Is there a hole in your bucket? Are you substituting things in your life to replace the Holy Spirit? Pastor Rick Warren says it this way. We're always looking around trying to find something to make our lives happy and significant. We think, if I could just wear this kind of clothes, then I'll be cool. If I could just have plastic surgery and get this fixed, then life would be grand. If I could just get this job, I'll be satisfied. The Bible says in Jeremiah 2, verse 13, My people have done two evils. They've turned away from me the spring of living water, and they have dug their own wells, which are broken wells that cannot hold water. Do you have a hole in your bucket? Not only have we rejected God and not looked to him to meet all our needs and satisfy our lives, we're also trying to meet our needs on our own. These wells we've dug, called a career or good looks or golf game, aren't going to hold water. Sin is addictive. It only makes you thirstier. If you don't believe that, ask anybody who's looked at pornography. One is not enough. If you are addicted to prescription medicine, one pill is not enough. 
If you have a problem with anger, you're not going to get angry just once. Sin creates greater thirst for satisfaction in your life. Sooner or later, you got to take a look at your bucket. You got to ask this question Is there a hole in my bucket? Billy Graham says it this way Our hearts are much like the oceans and seas of this earth, always troubled and moving, disturbed. God says there's no peace to those who reject God. There's no peace for those who are not living for God. People are going to the wrong watering holes, searching for satisfaction, searching for something that only the water of life can meet, and that person is Jesus Christ. Amen? The longing to quench the thirst of a human soul only goes away with the living God, the real God. Asking God, the true God, for his water, his spirit, to fulfill that thirst, that parched soul. Have you ever had a parched soul? Maybe some of you here today have a parched soul. Maybe those who will watch this sermon at home or on video, maybe you have a parched soul. Maybe you have a hole in your bucket. And I would say that if you do not have a relationship with Christ, you have a parched soul. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the answer. He is the wellspring that never runs dry. He is the everlasting, everlasting living water. And even though you may be very, very tired in your physical self, and you may be even thirsty physically in your flesh. God, Jesus Christ, is the everlasting wellspring of life. I remember as a little boy playing college football, or little league football, and then going into high school playing college football. And in August, we had doubles. They call them doubles. And I was a running back, believe it or not. I know if you look at me now, you'd think, man, that guy don't look like he can move very good. But they used to run us a lot. That's all we did was run. And I remember being so thirsty, literally so thirsty, that in college, and they did give us water. But when I was a kid, if you drank water, it was kind of a sign of weakness. It was the lack of understanding in America, we just really didn't understand. We thought that was a show of weakness. Of course, we've learned through science that it's not good, obviously, not to drink when you're working out. You could have heat exhaustion. But I remember working out so hard and my body being so beat up that I would go into literally the shower, football. And we had these showers all over. And you would, you would lean against the post Right, and you turn the water on, and you turn it to cold, because you were so hot, and you would stick your head up like this, and of course, I had long, flowing hair. My hair was just beautiful, and I would, <laughs> that's a lie, <laughs> and I would just open my mouth, and I would sit there and drink water for a good 20 minutes. 
literally after every practice. And in college, we did triples. It was like, and it was just going through us, water, getting rid of all the impurities in our life. You know, guys would come in, some of them would be in shape, and they'd been working out, and others wouldn't. And boy, that locker room smelled because it was getting rid of all the toxins in our body. So when you drink from the living water, you get rid of those toxins. I remember that, fresh and pure water. Verse 14, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I'll give them become in them a spring of water gushing up into eternal life. You know, the world is so thirsty. All we have to do, as I've mentioned, is just take a look. And what they need is us. People say it all the time. There has to be more out there. This can't be it. I heard there is a God somewhere. And I just don't know where he is. They say he's going to f- fix all this. Verse 25. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. Who is called the Christ. And when he comes... He will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. When we finally recognize God and the Messiah, we leave our jar of water at the well. We leave our addictions and our substitutes and we drink forever in this living water who quenches that longing to be satisfied. You see, you were born with that in you. Just as much as you need water to drink physically, just as much, much, much more does your soul need the Holy Spirit to relate with and have inside of you. Being said even better, it's this way. Jesus satisfies that eternal longing to be quenched. What is interesting about this text and some of its finer points, and I've heard people break it down, I've listened, I've watched, I've read sermons this week about this, but truly, no matter who you are, the Samaritan woman considered to be not very respected in town, I'm sure, most likely low-income, barely educated, someone in society that does not have much to offer, at least to that society they believe. She's invited to the well. She really epitomizes the spectrum of human beings on the earth. Those people, you know, us, me and you, and we try to substitute stuff and we search and we long, we try to fill it up. And we get older, and our hair isn't long like Fabio anymore. She represents this. She represents everyone is thirsty. Everyone is invited. Everyone's welcome. Everyone can take a drink. And when that happens in us, much like the woman at the well, we must go and tell others. I have a room full of people that I'm speaking to that have the living well in them. And it springs forth in you. And you must tell 
the people the good news. You've heard me say it, the world is the parched. The parched. And then what happens is you become a spring well of eternal life. You tell people about the eternal drink by word and by deed. By living in the truth which brings freedom from being parched, as I said, in this world. Have you ever been so thirsty? I remember working in Haiti with the team the last time and Brother Dan Sunderman working hard. We were, we were so hot it was 125 degrees on that concrete and on that dirt floor. And I remember we broke during the middle of the day. I told everybody got to take a break. And they would bring blocks of ice and we would literally break that ice up and put it in our shirts and just suck it because it was so hot. And Brother Dan, he, he got so hot He got so dehydrated that he stopped sweating. You know what happens when you stop sweating? That's your body saying, I don't have any more water to give out. And then your system starts to go sideways. And what you need to do immediately, and in his case, thank God we had doctors. We dishydrated him intravenously, right? You know how you're really sick sometimes and you've been, you know, expelling water one way or another, right? And then you go to the doctor and what does he do or she does? Put you right there on an IV. Let's get him hydrated. Get some water in him. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You are those folks. You are my beautiful sisters and my beautiful brothers who have the spirit of God in you. And if you don't, I would say you're probably thirsty. I'd say you're thirsty. All of us need and cannot live without water. We were created to have the living water in us. Pure water that carries no disease, no sickness. We are all thirsty. I would invite you, if you don't know that you can have this water, you don't have that in you today. I invite you to be challenged by the scripture. There's so many other things in this small portion of scripture that Jesus is saying to all of us. And I invite you today. You don't have to be good enough. It's okay if you've been substituting. God can handle it. That's why he came. He said on the cross that he was thirsty. He thirsted. You know why? Because he went to the utmost thirst for us. I thirst. And when he died and he rose again, he quenched it. He quenched it for you and for me and for anyone. For anyone. You come to church. 
You, you read about God. You seek him. You want to know who he is. You know why? Because the spirit of God draws you in. And know this. That you can preach the gospel to the people in town no matter where you have been. I don't care if you've had six or 16 husbands. I've talked to people that you would think, oh my gosh, the world has gotten a hold of them. And I believe this Samaritan woman is an illustration of all of us. It says nothing can separate you from the love of God. And she got a revelation. And what did she do? She said, man, I got to tell you about this. Nothing held her back. She took off and ran and sat. And you know what? The, the whole town came up and got, came out and got converted. So you have a testimony in you. In word and in deed, you live your life. And I encourage you today, don't let the devil ever shame you from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that living water, to everyone you come in contact with, whether it's through deed or in action or in word. Because God has set you free and you're full. Let the Spirit of God flow through you. If someone wouldn't have shared the gospel with you, you wouldn't be here today. So I encourage you in love and in light. You have what it takes. We have what it takes. The Spirit of God is in us. It's like, oh, hallelujah. It makes it easy. It's casual elegance in its finest form. Right? So I'd like for you to pray with me, whether you are a source of that living spring or you want it. I want you to pray with me. You can pray quietly in your heart. Just I'm going to go slow, but it's, it's a prayer that, that uh, writer and pastor Max Locato uses daily for himself and for the people that he is guiding to Christ and shepherding over and discipling. It goes like this. Lord, I come thirsty. I come to drink, to receive. I receive your work on the cross and in your resurrection. My sins are pardoned and my death is defeated. I receive your energy. Empowered by your Holy Spirit, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and I receive your Lordship. I belong to you. Nothing comes to me that hasn't passed through you. And I receive your love. Nothing can separate me from your love. So remember this day, just like all the other days, but remember this day, when you start to get real thirsty, remember that prayer. When the world kind of starts to dry out a little bit, kind of pushing you around and you start using substances and looking at things that just don't work for you, remember what I said. Remember what the Holy Spirit's saying today. God is an everlasting well of life. He never fails us and never leave us. And if you know that, your heart, you'll walk through this life with so much peace no matter what faces your door, even death. You've heard me say it many times.
God is the replacer in the wellspring. Amen? So patch that hole up in your bucket if you got one. All right? God bless you guys.